Right, well, I'm just going to start by introducing myself and the topics that we're going to be uh, hearing about here on this webinar. So, hi, I'm Jenny Matthews. I'm a Chief Officer and a co-founder of She of the Sea. Um, I'd really like to welcome everyone who's taken the time to join us today. And an especially big thank you to our panellists. Thank you for volunteering your time um, to share some insights into, into what's happening in the industry. Uh, these are pretty uncertain and tough times for some people. So the point of this webinar is really to bring together a cross-section of professionals um, and, and develop a bit of a snapshot into what's actually happening in the industry now. Uh, we did a recent poll and 80% of the crew, 87% of the crew that answered said that they had been impacted by the circumstances. And I think we can all agree it's pretty hard to work out what actually is happening if we're just looking at social media and a bit of hearsay. The major topics we're going to cover today are the job market, uh, what is actually happening on the vessels, travel restrictions and crew logistical information. We're going to look at the tough decisions that captains and owners might have to make. We're going to touch on MLC, SEA uh, comments and also look into certification and also see how the owners are reacting and what we might expect as we move forward. So a little bit of housekeeping just to start off. We're going to be aiming for about 45 minutes for this webinar. We'd really love it to be um, as interactive as possible. So those that are attending, feel free to uh, send in any questions you might have through the Q&A button on the bottom there. We're going to do our best to answer all the questions. And if we don't get to your questions specifically, uh, we will be doing another webinar shortly uh, to round up anything that we can't quite get to now. Uh, we will be recording this webinar and we will also be sharing a link to all the people that registered so you can have a look back or also send it on to any friends that you might have uh, that would benefit from the information. And just a little disclaimer uh, before we get going that the situations are changing quite rapidly. So the information that we're sharing is relevant to right now. Uh, we also have a very diverse industry that is all over the globe, so it's going to be really hard to speak to everyone right now and all of the circumstances. So just bear in mind we're talking about trends um, and common things that we're seeing. All right, so that's about enough from me. We'll get into introducing our panellists. If you could all go around um, and share who you are, what line of work you're in and what organisation you're working for and where you are based. So Tim, we'll start with you. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Tim Clark. I'm one of the directors at Key Crew. We are a yacht crew recruitment agency. Um, we're based down in Poole, and my business partner is in the south of France. Kerry? Hi, my name is Kerry Allerton. I work for Evolution Yachting. I'm the customer liaisons officer, but I'm also operations manager based out of the Barcelona office. I've been yeah, working in this company for over six years now in this line of business and Evolution Yachting itself, although I'm in Barcelona, we actually covered all of the meds. We have offices in France, Italy, Turkey, Greece, Croatia, Montenegro, uh, Italy, Spain. Great. So we'll get a good overview of what's happening uh, for Europe from you guys. Thank you. Carol. Hi, I'm Carol Benbrook. I'm the captain of Motiart S. Um, I've been a captain since 2002 and in the industry since the 90s and I'm going to be talking about anything to do with MLC and contracts and just trying to get some hearsay straight today. Fabulous, lots of that. <laughs> and finally David. I'm David Seal, I'm a yacht broker, a sales broker with uh, Northrop and Johnson. Uh, I also have a, a YouTube channel called Yachts for Sale 
which has um, given me good connections with a lot of yacht builders uh, who sponsor a lot of the content uh, on my YouTube channel. And I'm based in Italy, a little bit further north from Ancona and a little bit south of Rimini. Beautiful. Awesome. So we've got a good uh, mix of the mid here. Um, all right, so let's just dive in. We're getting a lot of questions about the job market. So Tim, I think we'll start with you. What are you seeing? What are the trends? What's actually happening on the boats right now? So as people are probably quite aware, if they keep an eye on the job boards and things like that, the, the job market has ground to a bit of a halt. Um, obviously, I can't speak for everyone within the recruitment side of yachting, but I would say that we're down to sort of 5 10% of the number of jobs being actively recruited that we were a month ago. Um, of those 5 to 10%, um, some of them are start date yet to be confirmed. So they're going through the recruitment process, getting contracts out, finding someone, offering them a job and, you know, getting them to join uh, when, when things loosen up with the lockdown. Um, so the market is quiet, um, but I do think there are opportunities for crew to be improving themselves whilst they've got some downtime. Um, and for the crew who are employed and got jobs, obviously they're, they're in a great position currently. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's definitely one of the questions, and I'd like to touch on that a little bit later about what crew can do um, to improve their chances or just, you know, get things rolling when the market starts to pick up. So we'll come back to that one. Um, what, are you, what are you hearing? From, um, would you like to talk a little bit about the results that you saw from your, your recent survey there? Absolutely. Um, so a couple of days ago, I sent out a survey to uh, a selection of our clients. Um, this was all captains and it ranged from sort of 40 meter yachts through to uh, substantial 100 meter plus yachts over 3000 gross ton. Uh, we had almost uh, 80 respondents um, when I put together the results. Uh, and I thought it would be good to get something tangible and actually find some facts and figures about what's going on in the industry. I'm very aware there's a lot going on on social media, lots of tales of doom and gloom on Facebook and things like that. Um, and I didn't feel that necessarily reflected what was actually going on. So um, I sent this survey out, uh, 80 odd captains have responded. Um, so I will go through some of the results. Bear with me one moment whilst I bring them up. So um, I think a stat which is actually really a really positive one, out of those 76 yachts who responded when I put this together, only 5% of them have actually let people go on a permanent basis. So that's four yachts out of 76. Now, of these 76 yachts, 24% of them have reduced numbers on board or they've sent people home, operating skeleton crews and things like that. But that does leave the 76% who are operating business as usual. Um, so that's quite a decent ratio, I would say, um, and certainly doesn't relate to what we're hearing on social media. Yeah. I think another massively positive stat in there is uh, only 10% of these 76 yachts have reduced crew salaries. Now, that is a statistic which will potentially go up, uh, obviously, if this continues for, you know, for the foreseeable future. But as it stands, I think that's, you know, a, a positive. Yeah, I, I, th I would agree with you from what I've seen on social media. That is definitely a different story. So that is reassuring to hear. <laughs> Okay, um, a couple of other stats in there. If there's any senior crew watching this and wondering what yachts are saying about rotation, 82% of the yachts surveyed said that they'll be maintaining their rotations going forward. 
nothing will be changing there in terms of uh, salaries or removing of the rotation. They'll just have to adapt and, you know, look at different ways of working, leave out and things like that. Um, so that's very positive. Um, and then one of the statistics which are, are, I garnered as well, gathered as well, 40% of owners are anticipating on using their yacht in May or June. 90% of those owners think they will use it at some point this season. Now, the owners might be being wildly optimistic, um, but I think that's really encouraging that 90% of the owners that we surveyed are planning on using it at some point in the not too distant future. Um, something else which has come out of the survey, which I didn't really expect, is I had multiple phone calls and emails from captains who wanted to reiterate how amazing their owners have been um, or the owner of the boat had been in terms of being completely committed to looking after the crew. Whatever the cost, whatever the time frames involved, no one will lose their jobs, no one will have their wages reduced um, and people are being sent home to be with their families on full pay and things like that. So I think in this sort of scenario, it's really easy to be negative. And I think social media is, is something which always attracts neg negativity. People would rather talk about bad things that are happening than good things. Yeah. Um, but I think there's some real positives that can be taken out of those statistics. Um, but the main one being only 5% of yachts have actually sacked people, um, which I think is far lower than most people would, would guesstimate or estimate if asked to put a figure on it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic. Thank you for taking the initiative um, to gather that information. It's really interesting. <laughs> My pleasure. Cool. Um, we've had a lot of questions, um, quite a few from greenies. Uh, so obviously there's, you know, there are crew that are already in the industry. How do you think things are going to shape up for those that are not yet in? And um, do you think the job market's going to be too competitive for greenies or is there still place? I think there's still going to be opportunities for green crew. Um, you know, as a green crew member, it's already a really tough job market. No one should be under the illusion just because they're turning up in the south of France or Spain or whatever, that they're going to get a job because the harsh reality is a significant percentage join each season and don't get jobs. Yeah. And that's in any season, regardless of what's going on in the world, coronavirus, etc. You know, it's very hard to predict the future. Uh, possibly, I think it will be a little bit more tougher than normal because I think there's going to be more experienced crew on the market who, because of various commitments and things like that, are probably going to be a little bit more flexible about the sort of roles they're going to consider. Mm -hmm. um, having said all of that, you know, the best crew who have got the winning attitude and the winning personality will get jobs amongst the green crew. You know, it's entirely up to you how prepared you are, how professional you are, and how hard you work to get work, how hard you work to get a job. Um, and you know, your future is in your own hands. Um, and in fact, I think this is an incredible opportunity for crew who are green, who are sat at home for the next couple of months. There's so much you can do to be upskilling and improving your skill set right now. And I can guarantee you the vast majority won't be. They'll be working their way through Netflix and stuff like that. But actually, there's a huge amount you could be doing to improve yourself and improve your skills. Um, I'm going to shamelessly name drop the blog I wrote the other day. Um, I think it's a good blog, but it's actually got some great information in it. Um, and there is so many amazing videos on YouTube that you can go on and learn. You know, if you're a deckhand, I would 
expect you to have learned what Colregs, Boyage and things like that. You can absolutely learn that from home with an hour of work and testing yourself a day. You can have that nailed within a few weeks. And that's a really useful skill set to join a boat with. You know, as a stewardess, there's lots of things you could do. There's there's um, a video on there or a, a channel on YouTube of a professional flower arranger or florist. There's like 100 videos on flower arranging on there by a guy who does it all day, every day. There's no reason next time you go to the supermarket to pick up food, you don't pick up a few bunches of cheap flowers and sit at home practicing for a few hours. So whilst this is a challenging moment in time, if I was a green member of crew, I'd be excited because I know I can put in a few hours of work every day and I can massively improve my skill set over the next couple of months. And when I'm being interviewed, I can tell captains that confidently yeah. and know I can actually back it up. Absolutely. Just kind of hit the ground running. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, some stuff you can't learn at home, obviously. You can't learn to drive a tender at home. However, you absolutely can learn the theory of coal regs, voyage, things like that. There's no excuses to not have learned that over the next two months if you're a deckhand entering the industry, in my opinion. No, I think I totally agree with that. And we, we are actually running a study group within our network. And it's just really amazing to see so many crew taking that initiative and using this time to upskill themselves. Excellent. One last question for you, Tim, before we move on to Kerry. Uh, and this is actually, I really love this question. We had a green crew member who was curious, is there a limit to how many times you can sign into a crew agency? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, you know, as, as a crew agent, obviously we have a lot of green crew who are contacting us on a regular basis. Um, the harsh reality is as a crew agent, we can't help all of them and we definitely won't get all of you a job. Um, but, you know, checking in on a weekly basis is 100% fine, whether that's via email, WhatsApp, call, etc. Um, and it shows a good attitude. But the point I'd make here is, especially this year, it's not going to be someone like me, realistically, who gets you your first job unless you've got an amazing skill set I can sell you in on. E.g. you're a boat builder, a carpenter, a PT, a massage therapist, etc., etc. Or you've got an incredible hospitality background. If you are one of the, you know, you're one of the other 80% of crew who are entering the industry without a massively relevant skill set, it's going to be down to you to get your first job. So whilst absolutely checking with, um, with crew agencies and things like that, you need to be doing as much as possible off your own bat too. Awesome. Thank you for that. I think that's answered um, a lot of questions there we had through. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. All right, Kerry. So there is a lot of hearsay about travel restrictions. So I'd really love um, to hear your insight into what's happening. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think when th there is definitely and I think um, when the restrictions or the, the lockdowns first came down and all the government announcements were talking about um, key workers or who could travel and who was exempt, there was obviously no mention of seafarers or in any of those general government announcements. So at the beginning, the, there was a little bit of a gasp of breath and how, how is this going to affect us? But actually what we're seeing is that uh, seafarers in general, uh, are considered, uh, they do have some kind of exceptions in terms of uh, when it comes to international crises or these force majeure that we're seeing. And over the last couple of weeks, we've seen the IMO and the ILO published documents um, appealing to governments uh, saying that, listen, seafarers, they, they, it is vital that they still have kind of freedom of passage as, as much as possible. Uh, not only for the safe, well, mostly for the safety, the manning, safety manning schedules of, of vessels. 
and so with that in mind, there's that we have seen quite a bit of crew crew movement from our offices. We're, obviously, the advice is still to limit and restrict any non-essential change outs that you need that that, that you have to do. But if they're essential and they really need to happen, uh, send it to us and we'll work on it. And we've had quite a quite a good success rate. Um, the minute mostly France, Spain, and Italy are where the vessels tend to be based for the for the winter. So those are the offices which have had a few more requests rather than Greece, Montenegro, and that area. Mm. Um, with uh, there is a slight difference between European passports and non-European passports. European already it's stated in the announcement that those with European nationality or European residency uh, can travel to their place of work. And in this instance, we're considering crew, the vessel, where the vessel is, is their place of work and they're contractually obliged uh, yeah. to be there. Obviously, boat can't, we can't do, they say in Spain, teleworking, working from a distance. Uh, unfortunately, boats don't, don't work that way. You can't operate that all from home. So uh, that is the, the reason for travel, is the, is the contract and uh, continuing your, your job operations. And traveling between your home country and the vessel, we have been able to, to make that happen, especially for a lot of European, uh, European passport holders. Again, there's a lot of background work that needs to happen and a lot more authorities are involved. Uh, it varies from country to country. Again, from, from our experience, what we're seeing, each office is having a slightly different protocol. Um, and it's certainly, you need the help to do it. So if there is any embarkation or disembarkation, then our advice is you need to talk to your agent or representative and, and they'll let you know what procedure needs to be followed. Um, Great. Yeah, I've been um, funneling, I get quite a lot of questions that come through our network and so I've been sending them to you guys and it's great to see yeah. with so many officers being able to really uh, share that information. So thank you for all the work. Yeah, no, it is. And every, it's every, definitely a case-by-case -case basis uh, that we're working on each time. So again, there's no, there's no set key uh, procedure for everybody. Um, and I think for the most part, most vessels who can, they're respecting the idea of limiting. So they're extending the rotations out a little bit. We've had crew who are expectant parents or uh, you know, family emergencies they need to travel for. Uh, but other than that, the captains are being quite flexible in trying to work out just for purely rotational uh, reasons, wait a few weeks, hang on, we'll make up the time later, like Tim was saying earlier. And yeah. um, so that's the recommendation. That's good to see. Um, we had a question come in uh, over the last few days. Uh, this is one for you, Kerry. This was from Kevin. Um, is there any indication that the infrastructure to support yachts is going to be rapidly available? Did you have anything to say to that one? Um, well, yeah, obviously the infrastructure to support yachts is massive and obviously yachts need so, so much support. Uh, in terms of evolution yachting, we're, we're an agency in that terms, we're dealing with customs, we're dealing with immigration, we're dealing with operational items, uh, provisioning, spares, technical support. And I think agencies, I'm sure as much as possible, are still trying to continue that support as best they can. I know we're quite busy still, because everything actually, even though services may be reduced, everything takes that bit longer, complying with all the restrictions that are in place. So there is the operational side and the crew logistics side. 
And I think, yes, the agencies are continuing to operate and they can provide that support and that uh, as soon as things get back to normality, uh, I'm hoping that, yeah, it'll be, it'll be right off the bat. So, yep, yeah, let's get back into fifth gear straight away. But, of course, the other question in terms of in- infrastructure is cruising and guest support. And that's something that's a little bit less predictable. So that this, this, this infrastructure support yachts could mean anything from a marina is going to open and ports marina is going to open themselves immediately. Are they going to drop all restrictions all at once? Is it going to be gradual? What about if marinas can't, oh, sorry, if vessels can enter a marina or go to their favorite cruising destination? Will, will the owner's favorite restaurant still be open? And can I still call up my taxi driver Juan or Victor and is he still going to be able to pick us up so in terms of that support for for cruising ability that's that's still speculation it will be different for every country it it will be definitely a gradual process even though each country well in Europe we're talking about the med obviously the recommendations to the Schengen states a uniform to all the member states, but then it's up to each country, I understand, to, to figure out how they're going to reopen up and get their economy kickstarts again into what, in what order, into what measure. So that's... Yeah, that's a bit of wait and see for that one, unfortunately. But you're right, it's really hard to predict, and we'll just have to mm-hmm. see. Cool. All right, thank you for that. Um, Carol? You're up next. <laughs> so we've had a lot of questions coming through uh, regarding seafarers' rights um, surrounding MLC and where crew can actually look for guidance on their questions. We'd really like to hear your insight into this one. Okay, thanks, Jen. Um, hi, everyone. Yeah, so I think that um, this really comes down to your SEA, your contract. Um, there's some misguidance on the internet from people asking questions and then being guided um, to look at MLC. I wouldn't necessarily advise people to go straight to MLC just because really when you look at your legal standing, it's done to your contract that you have signed with your employer. Now that should have been um, guided by MLC if you're on a commercial yacht and that is under a decent flag state. Um, But in the end, the law will come down to what you have signed. Mm -hmm. So you should always go to your SEA for, you know, any reference of where you stand with any of these questions. Yeah, that's good. That's a really key clarification there. Um, And do you have any insights into what changes are being made to SEAs or allowed to be made to SEAs during this special circumstance? Yeah, so there's been a lot of questions about whether it's allowed. You know, somebody's been asked um, to take a pay cut to make an amendment to their SEA. Is that allowed? Well, yes, it is allowed. You can make an addendum. and the addendum becomes part of that legally binding contract. It's just as good as a new SEA or a new contract. Um, Saying that if you are in the position where somebody asks you to do something that you want to know why, or you want to know, um, you know, the reason behind it or to what extent it will apply, is it just temporary? Am I signing this for the rest of my contract? All these things are actually open to discussion. And anybody that has a question should feel that they're in a position to discuss it with the person that's been put in the position to, to offer, offer that change. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that what's happening now is some people are a little bit confused about the feeling like they're backed into a corner. 
hey, you know, I'm going to lose my job if I don't take this. But in fact, a lot of captains are trying to look out for you. Um, my experience is that most captains are in this position because they do care about their crew. They also have to look after their owner and the budget. And um, they are probably quite approachable and things like this. Mm. So if, if we're carrying on from pay cuts there, if you were in the situation, uh, especially if you were a junior crew, what would your advice be um, mm -hmm. for that? I think it's definitely on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, I think that for me, if I'm happy in my position, I know my boss, um, if I've been working for him for a while or her, um, I'm comfortable where I am and I really believe that they're a good person and they're just doing what they have to do right now to get by and by working with them they will work with me in the future so there's a mutual respect there's mutual understanding then I would say perhaps seriously consider sticking your head down getting on with it and getting through the stage hold on to your job because it's not necessarily a good job market anyway um, in the past when we've been in this situation I found that that loyalty is rewarded Although I would say it's not for every owner, you know, not every owner out there, not every captain out there is just the, the, the best ever. Um, but you will know when you're working for someone that you're there because you're working there because you like the person you're working for or not. Mm. But I think it's also important for crew to understand, especially in junior positions, that there is this perception that every yacht owner is a multi-billionaire, Bill Gates or Amazon, you know. And a lot of yacht owners are actually in the position where they need that charter income to pay for the budget of the boat, the operating costs of the boat. And with limited charters on the horizon, we all might have to make these sacrifices to allow the industry to keep flowing, to keep moving forward. Um, and, you know, there is a real problem here with income coming in to people. And we actually, the crew, as a crew, take about 50% of the yacht's operating budget normally. It's not just the wages that you get, it's the crew medical insurance, it's the P&I liability, and the crew um, food and provisions and travel. So they, they all actually add up to quite a lot more than junior crew might realize. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd really like to hear your thoughts. Uh, you were around obviously in the financial crash in 2008, 2009. <laughs> Um, could, you have, could you have any insight into that, any comparisons or differences that you're seeing as a captain with this situation? Yeah, I think we're all making these comparisons at the moment. Is it going to be like 2008, 2009 or not? Um, for me personally, I was um, pregnant. And they say there's, there's never a good time to have a family, but <laughs> certainly time to find good asleep for a captain. <laughs> but, um, you know, I made it through. Um, our boss at the time went from being um, on the app and we were running, I was operating a 44 meter um, Heeson at the same time. We had two big boats in build, 160 meter, 150 meter, and it was just all go, you know, everything was looking fantastic. Everybody was speculating and then the crash happened. And the ripple effect it took about two years before it really hit us. We, we went down from um, running a Caribbean season with three boats to by the time the boat came across the Atlantic, all the crew had been let go and it was just me and my husband and the, the two new builds were gone. Mm. Um, but, you know, we didn't get paid for about 10 months. Again, we knew that our boss was a pretty good guy and he was a man of his word and we stuck with it. And we were compensated at the end of it fairly. Mm. And, um, you know, we, we made it through and we got a lot of experience from it. So I'm not saying that everybody should do that. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that it would always work out that you would get paid. 
but you certainly get a lot of experience that you wouldn't have got if you were at home doing nothing. Yeah, it's a real tough situation to work out how to navigate that one. So mm. hope that it's not um, too similar to that. But yeah, and you know, it's who knows what's going to happen next. It could be that it's a everybody's in it together, as a lot of people have said. You know, and um, we could actually all come together to make things positive because it's not somebody's fault. It's just we've been hit by this, and this might yeah. be something we need to get used to in the future. That's great. Okay, so we have um, we had a couple of questions come through that were really interesting, actually, that you said you could speak on. Another one from Kevin. Uh, what are health, uh, crew health insurers saying about the availability of critical care to crew in foreign ports should they need it? Right. Um, I've spoken to a few brokers about this, um, and so far the, what they're seeing generally is that there's no private facilities because they're being taken over by public. Health, but they haven't seen anyone at this point that has been refused medical care because of this virus taking over too many of the hospitals. What they have seen is um, silly questions coming in from captains that do happen to have their owners on board, like "Can we go scuba diving?" Where you know in the Caribbean, where the answer has to be you know at your own risk. Are you really going to risk an accident right now when the emergency services are already swamped? So, you know, on your head be it type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, we had another one. Sorry, carry on. I don't know if I might be able to kind of say something here because we are familiar with the operations in our Barcelona office and medical care is something that we're dealing with appointments and so that we're dealing with very regularly. And actually now all the, the, the crew are staying on board and not and not really doing uh, well they're still working obviously but the request for medical we still have the same amount of crew working with us uh, but we're having we've seen such a such a uh, drop in the request for medical services purely because well i think because they're staying on board they're uh, in a controlled environment uh, maybe they're more conscious about them but we still have the hospitals and the doctors open and available and yet those services, it's, 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 it's nothing. And I, that was just an interesting point that this, this medical care is actually less required now than ever in terms of our day-to-day -day experience. Yeah, there's less people falling off skateboards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just madly genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool, we had another question come in. Uh, this is from Lois. A question about what happens if you've got a certificate that is going to expire? Um, we obviously all want to be able to go to sea when this clears up, but if we're unable to update, what's anyone any idea what's happening there? Yeah, so the, the Paris MOU have said that it's considered by them to be force majeure. So um, they're expiring, any expiring certificates will be reviewed on a case-by-case -case basis, but most likely extendable by three months until this can be resolved. And that's also for certification of yachts. So, um, you know, surveyors just can't get to the yachts. And in this case, although they're saying MLC has to be, and all of its, you know, comparative regulations have to be enforced wherever possible. It doesn't give us the right to say, you know, we can abandon crew because of this crisis. We can't. We have to, wherever possible, follow MLC and all of our normal legislation. But they are considering that this is the case. People literally aren't able to submit their paperwork and get their certificates reissued in time. And so you should be able to get that three-month extension. 
That's great. That's fair. I think that's good news for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that same note, we did have a question come in from Caroline about um, oral preps, oral, oh, sorry, oral exams. Uh, we've got a study group going and there are a fair few crew that were lined up to undertake mm-hmm. their oral exams. And they've now obviously all been um, put on pause. So the question that came through is what's the plan for the backlog? Um, I haven't spoken directly with the MCA, but I've spoken with people who have. And the common answer is that they will just reschedule the oral exams in the order that they were cancelled. Um, mm. When that will happen, we'll have to wait and see. It's so tough for those people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my heart goes out to them. <laughs> so now, David, really interested to hear your insight as a broker to how the owners are reacting from uh, the situation. Um, there's been a, a real variety of different reactions. Um, from my perspective, as a as a yacht broker, I kind of divide owners into buyers and sellers. Either you have a yacht for sale, or, or you're looking to buy a yacht, or quite often both uh, is the case. And um, sellers um, are kind of resigned to the fact that their yacht's not going to sell in the next few weeks, because even if you had a contract and an offer. You can't get the yacht surveyed, you can't do a sea trial. The whole industry of yacht brokerage has absolutely ground to a halt. Mm-hmm. Unless somebody is prepared to buy as is where lies without the benefit of a sea trial and survey, which is not recommendable, um, nothing's going to move. And certainly all the clients I'm dealing with and my colleagues that are dealing with are understanding of that. And they're all kind of holding their breath to wait and see when this all ends, what the market will look like after, whether they want to or will need to make a price reduction or just take the yacht off the market. So the sellers are all quite philosophical, so to speak, and just waiting to see what happens. The buyers, it's a different story because uh, just before the virus hit, the market was really quite healthy. There were some sensible offers being made, realistic offers, on yachts, I actually had two uh, strong negotiations going on when the lockdown happened in Italy, and, and both of those two buyers quite understandably said, "Hold on, we're not going to go any further until we know what's happening." Mm-hmm. Now in Italy, we're just about a month. I think it might be a month today. What's the date today? Yeah, it's a month today from the 9th of March. We've been on lockdown, and. Um, <laughs> And already the sharks, the fins are starting to appear in the water and, and buyers are arriving, uh, assuming there's going to be some great deals out there. And we're getting already some very, very low offers. But they're, they're from people who, generally speaking, are just making low offers on every single boat they can think of, mm. hoping that somebody's going to be so desperate they'll let their yacht go for a knockdown price. And we're not there yet. We're not at that point just yet where there's distressed sales and people are desperate to get uh, their boats sold to the point that they'll take a very, very low offer. So right now, the industry, it's like somebody's hit a pause button. They've hit a pause button. Yacht builders almost everywhere can't build. Yacht brokers can't sell. Um, Everybody's just waiting to see how long this lasts and what it looks like uh, when restrictions started to get lifted. Yeah. That's, that seems to be the case. And I think um, it'll be 
I'm quite interested again to hear, like Carol, your experience of how this is unfolding and how you think it may unfold compared to 2008, 2009 as a broker. I think um, I think that the effects might be quite similar, but the reasons, of course, are very, very different because in 2008 there was a very strong reason why there was a global financial crisis, and I'm. I'm very far from being an economist. I really don't understand all those sort of things. But what I do understand is that the banks lent too much. They were too frivolous. They made a lot of very, very foolish decisions. And that came back and bit them in the ass because there was a huge financial recession, which from my perspective as a broker lasted for many, many years. It's, it's been a, it took a long time before the industry came back to be reasonably healthy. Also, of course, that was fueled by those years when um, Russia became freed up and all of a sudden there were all these stereotypical crazy Russians with more money than they knew what to do with paying massive figures for, for yachts, not even asking for a discount. Sadly, I was not a yacht broker when that was happening <laughs> um, because that was a wonderful time for the industry. But of course, when the crash happened, it was absolutely devastating. Um, to everybody. What we're going through now is very different. Um, it's nobody's fault. People haven't made bad decisions particularly. Um, we're just ill. The world's ill. Um, and even if we don't personally have the virus, we have to act as if we did. We have to stay at home. We can't work. And so, I mean, it's, it's really fascinating to see what effect this will have, if it will be as long lasting an effect as the financial crisis of 2008-2009. I hope not. Um, I'm very optimistic by nature and I hope that the fact that we are all in this together, the fact that it's really nobody's fault, um, it's, it's just a, a, a terrible global tragedy, um, I'm hopeful that the industry will recover a lot quicker. But I have to say, I think that 2020 is not going to be a great year for anybody, is it? No, but I think we'll all remember it, though. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. It's really good to get that insight, something that I'm not definitely not personally privy to. So thank you for sharing that. It's a pleasure. Um, I thought it could be interesting. We've got about six minutes left. So I'd really like to have a look at some of the questions that have popped up. Uh, but before we do... Um, I'd really like to kind of look at what may be next. I know, Kerry, you said you're working with a lot of captains who are preparing their plans B, C, D, E, and F. Uh, what is that starting to look like from your end? It's a bit of everything, really. I mean, going on from what David said, I think we'll see that the, the, the end users in our industry obviously are a different world to we are, and we can't know how they're coping with this. But every, let's remember as well that even though people do suffer in an international crisis, there are those people who profit as well and those people who uh, will come off even better, uh, maybe. Uh, and it may even be that it filters out uh, people who are not really meant, maybe even stabilizes the industry a little bit, you know, as in, um, but that's going off on a tangent. In terms of who we're talking to at the minute, it's still unknown. There are plenty of owners out there who are still saying, I want to use my boat as soon as I can. They're saying to the captain, I want to get on there and I want to have, even if it's not till July, August, September, I, I still want to have a bit of a summer. So just you go, 
whenever we're ready. Others who are just canceling and saying, listen, I've got other things to worry about. I need to focus on my other businesses. So I can't think about this right now. And captains are being told just to plan uh, maybe maintenance periods or uh, keep things low profile, just go down to skeleton crew. Uh, and captains are preparing for both those scenarios. Even if the owner is saying now, I want to use my boat, I want to use my boat as well. The captains are saying, but I know my owner. And I think if nothing has happened by the end of June, he's going to move on to something else. So I need to prepare for not doing something as well. And then those who are being more cautious are saying, I know what he's like. As soon as he sees other people on their boats, he's going to want to be in his boat as well. So I can't rule out summer yeah i think it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds tim did you have anything that you'd want to add to that about what we might see next yeah i, I agree with kerry i think there's a definite um percentage of owners who are keen on using their boat the sooner the better uh, and my own instinct is that after months and months in lockdown um getting out onto the boat for a few weeks is going to be more and more appealing um, so yeah, I think there's going to be a percentage of owners who are going to be a little bit more, less concerned about, you know, health, safety, etc. maybe who just want to get onto the boat and, and get out and use it as soon as possible. Um, and yeah, I think, I think things will start moving sort of June, July onwards where we'll start to see owners on boats again, one way or another. Mm. Cool. We've had a couple of good questions come through. I really like this one. Do you think that many yachts will choose to stay in the Caribbean or other parts of the world instead of coming to Europe? I'm guessing that's assuming that when things lift and we can move around again. Any ideas on that one? Uh, I think it depends how long it lasts because obviously there are some boats who have postponed coming over here to wait and see what happens. But the US and the Caribbean may not be a good place to be if you wait too long. They're just a few yeah. Does. So they're going to be thinking, ah, actually we need to go up here. And I don't know who would be, maybe Carol would be the best one as well. I don't know, there's going to be a certain point where boats, where owners or captains won't bring the boat across because of the, because um, of the weather, because of the hurricane season. I'm not, maybe Carol can say what, what's the threshold or what's the limit on that. Yeah, well, what I'm hearing is um, generally there are a lot of boats questioning um, refit periods for the summer and maybe if America opens up during the American season charter boats are considering staying going to Rybovich or Savannah shipyards and similar to um, get maintenance work done that may be you know coming up to the five-year survey um, and then as far as um, insurance goes for crossing there are some um, leniencies giving for crossing a little bit later than normal at the moment so you just have to speak to your own broker and um, you know to see but yeah I think generally the the feel is from people I've spoken to in America is not very many boats are going to come across this summer because they don't think there's going to be a charter market. Mm. Tim did you have something to add to that? Yeah I think um, the Caribbean is probably somewhere towards the bottom of the list preferred locations to be for a yacht to be in for the foreseeable future for a multitude of reasons which I won't get into here but what I'm hearing is if the boat's in the Caribbean, they would much rather be somewhere else right now. Okay. Um, and yeah, Europe or the US would be preferable. Great. Um, another one's just popped up here. We, we'll go, we'll, what do we reckon? Answer one more question? Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're almost out of time. So we're going to answer one more question here. Will the owners or captains prioritise short-term employment for the season in your opinion? 
Is that directed to me? To anyone that would like to answer. <laughs> uh, I mean, that does sort of make sense. Uh, get someone on a short-term basis as opposed to committing to a permanent employee who might not be a good fit. And, you know, if that short-term candidate is in France, for example, and they can get to the boat, then, then they're a good option. Um, but thus far, I'm not hearing that from our clients. But I would not be surprised at all if that is the direction the market goes in. But so far, that's not the case. Sorry, there'll probably be a big divide between the private votes and the charter votes as well. There's two separate answers, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree with that. Great. Oh, we've got another one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 45 minutes probably is too short. That's one of the questions. Because of the response, we actually will have another webinar where we'll go into uh, the rest of the questions that were answered. <laughs> Question three. Um, okay, this is interesting. Do we think the mid-season itself will just shift to later? Like, are we going to see if uh, speculation? I, I think it will, actually. Uh, but again, I'm an eternal optimist. But I, I've been watching very carefully, as I'm sure everybody has, the statistics and the fact that the numbers now of new cases in Italy are coming down have been for a long time. I'm optimistic that the situation in Italy, at least, um, will be under control uh, by early May. And even if restrictions mean that people can't use their boats until June or July, I mean, I've seen, we all have, we've seen people using their yachts in October. Um, And if people haven't been able to enjoy the early part of the season, I think they'll then try to make the most of the latter part of the season. Yeah. Go ahead, Tim. I I think uh, the seasons are a lot more fluid now than they were 10 years ago. Um, You know, when I was a deckhand, which is longer ago than that now, the seasons were much shorter and it was like Cannes Film Festival finish at some point in September. And now, as David just said, there's boats which are still chartering busy late October and there's boats which are getting guests on in April and things like that. So I think the seasons are longer. They're far more fluid about when they start and they finish and people will just go further afield. So I think the I think the season will adapt and people will just go to different locations where there's better weather, avoid hurricane seasons and stuff like that. So we'll see boats going places they wouldn't historically have gone. So they've got some summer or some time on the yacht. Absolutely. I would I would agree with that as well. Definitely towards the end, the the warmer climates, the southern Mediterranean, it's still definitely going to be a viable option. Mm. It's great. I suspect after a lengthy lockdown, everyone will be just dying to get back out on their boats. So <laughs> make the most of it. <laughs> yeah, we'll be actually looking forward to owner trips, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, that's that's pretty good for time there. I think we've covered um, quite a lot of the main questions. There's obviously quite a lot more, but I think it'd be good to break it up and potentially uh, we will have another webinar where we'll dive into some more topics. So thank you all so much. Um, that was really fun. I feel like I understand what's happening a lot more. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So this will be recorded. We will send out a follow-up email to all the people that registered. You'll have a link to download this video. And like I said, send it on to any friends that might find this information helpful. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.